Oh, Sartre. Ladies and gents, nihilists and stoics, welcome to the second episode of Book Record Beer. We recorded from the 2SP brew floor in beautiful Delaware County, PA, with fellow rugger, philosopher, and all-around good dude, Mike Contreras, or as we call him on the pitch, Burgle. On the cast, we cover one of Sartre's essays on aesthetics, 2SP's Delco Lager, and discuss what we're listening to right now. Uh, this was certainly one of, honestly, if not my favorite cast so far. I thank the boys for indulging me in some philosophy and, and truly hope you enjoy. So, cheers. Ladies and gentlemen, we are live from 2SP Brewery down in Delco, uh, joined by, as always, my good friend, Nick Gregorio. Hey there. My other good friend, Daniel DeFranco. Hi, folks. And a friend from so long ago, Mike Contras. Contreras. <laughs> really good go. friend. Contreras. <laughs> you don't do well with last I names. was going to say Burgle, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then I was like, I imagine he'd prefer Mike, so. 90% of the people we both knew thought my name was Adam. Uh, <laughs> in fact, we worked at, uh, we were at uh, Hofstra, so. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, this is your brew. I mean, thank you so much yeah. for having us here. No, this is awesome. It's we awesome are literally awesome. in the brewery. It's a, yes. We're surrounded by tanks and fermentation. Yes. Yeah. This is amazing. Yes. It, one of the coolest things I've ever been a part of. <laughs> yeah, this is <laughs> like, super Seriously. sweet. And, and as always, uh, Michael, my brother, engineer us as well. Um, ow! <laughs> so uh, we're going to get right into it. This is our, our uh, second remote. Um, and we are, I, again, literally in the middle of the brewery. So I'm going to introduce us in the way that I have uh, been doing and am want to do, which is to uh, do it weird. Um, we are reading some Jean-Paul Sartre. Sartre. Uh, today. Uh, I, thought we, I thought we'd get into some philosophy. I, I enjoy it quite a bit. Um, and so his essays in aesthetics, uh, I chose one that I thought would be fitting, uh, you know, because it concerns artisans and artists. Uh, and I, I think it, it does well that way. So I'm going to introduce everybody. Uh, if they were a philosopher, uh, who would you be? So I'm gonna start with uh, Gregorio, as I am want to do this, a contemporary philosopher. Um, I'm doing it by like a blurb, because you know, philosophy is so complex uh, that there's no way I'm going to explain, well, this is why. I'm just going to do a blurb. <laughs> you have uh, to use that voice, though, when you explain this is why. <laughs> the, the blurb is, language is a skin. And that philosopher is Roland Barthes. I like that. That is you, my friend. Oh, okay. uh, jump in. Jump I, was, in uh, uh, I was thinking I was getting something horrible. But that was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually pretty good when I was looking at it. Um, yeah. uh, jump he, wrote, in, uh, he wrote a whole essay on wrestling. You know that. I don't. Yeah. Really? His whole thing was semiotics and semiology. And like he had this whole thing about how rest, wrestling speaks a larger language and uh, into popular culture and our like deepest desires to see them on that like uh, grand stage. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Wow. It's a really That's interesting awesome. essay. I used yeah. to wrestle. I quit because I'm, <laughs> I'm a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Call back. Yeah, see, episode see episode one. Exactly. I wonder if that explains the popularity of Glow. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, the gorgeous uh, ladies of wrestling. Ladies of wrestling. Yeah. That's a good show. I like it's it. It's an okay show. 
I, oh my God. I disagree. I think it's good. <laughs> We're going to jump to Daniel. <laughs> you, you are Hobbs, my friend. Man is machine. I was right? just thinking today I was going to get a Hobbs tattoo. That this is really this is, this is kismet. Hold the kismet. Oh. <laughs> nice. Wham, wham, wham. <laughs> Nick is a DJ. All of a sudden, <laughs> nothing without substance okay. can exist. That is no. Daniel. For I mean, oh. in a nutshell, nothing without. with substance can exist. Uh, without substance. Oh, okay. I heard that wrong. You were going to get a Hobbs tattoo and didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, bro. Nice. Well, the, the tiger. I was going <laughs> to... Uh, the, the blurb for, uh, for Mike... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Burgle a million times, and I am. Just go with it. I'm, the, yeah. the blurb for Burgle is, uh, experience by itself is not science. And I think it's, I think it's fitting Edmund Herschel. Um, Heidegger's teacher. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah Fucking here's, here's a Heidegger, the uh, wow. Heidegger was a Nazi. We all we, we all know that. Yeah. <laughs> but his teacher was Husserl, and he he outed Husserl uh, uh, when he joined the party. No yeah, shit. Yeah. So. God damn. Yeah. I did not know that. I just enjoyed yeah. the blurb, and I thought yeah. it was. Funny. <laughs> That's a big like, yikes. Yeah, <laughs> that sucked the air out of the room. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> so anyway, yeah. Don't read too yeah, deep into yeah. that. Is it so, yeah, no you guys idea. are all probably wondering about my mustache. Right <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nick, so. It connects to a, a, a full-on I've got a philosopher uh, for you. Well, hold on. Let me finish. Yeah. I got Mike, our engineer extraordinaire. Um, uh, Richard Walheim, art is a form of life, my friend. Uh, I thought that was fitting for my brother. Also a um, Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I should have dug deeper with these. I, we were literally like, should we do painters or should we do philosophers? Like an hour ago. Like, Let's do philosophers. <laughs> and then we got a car. And then so I, I was looking through and I was like, oh. the only one I really, really, really had concretely was you. Yeah. Uh, was Hobbs, I which, appreciate that because I, I like it now that I know what it is. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> there awesome. was 10 seconds where I was really upset with you. <laughs> um, uh, and, and, you know, Bill Watterson, yeah. literary giant, yeah. uh, loves Hobbes as well. You know? uh, so I made up one for you. I didn't make it up. These things existed. And I just said, oh, this reminds me of Nick. Sure. Um, uh, since you love billiards. Oh, you're right. I do. You do. And you also love San Dimas. Okay. Uh, you're Socrates. <laughs> That's the greatest yes. call I've ever oh, heard in my man. life. He what just is, referenced <laughs> Bill and Ted. Oh, oh it's awesome. Yeah. He just referenced Bill and Ted. It's Socrates, though. Sit deep beside rules. That's everything I know about Socrates. <laughs> How do they say in the movie? Socrates. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was like trying to say it like them, but then right. As well. We are nothing but dust. <laughs> In the wind. I, th I think <laughs> this the unexamined is life is not a life worth living, and I totally agree with that. That is, uh, that is one of, that's one of my staples. I, I do like well, that's, that's quite a bit. What I was really thinking. Thank you. Yeah, I think I think it's probably a, a disclaimer. It's it's worth mentioning now that we have been here for about an hour already. Yeah, indulging in. Uh, <laughs> just, <laughs> usually we don't get this way till. The end of the episodes. Well, the end of the episodes are always better anyhow. So. Yeah. yeah. We've just started. Yep. We've started all the way. So what's the on the other side? It's like the other side of the moon. <laughs> the dark side. This might well. be frightening. Um, let's jump in. Yeah. That's it. Okay. So um, the essay I chose is, is, is kind of right in the middle of, um, 
of uh, uh, Sartre's collection. Um, and it, it has a lot to do uh, with a uh, particular painter, right? And he, he actually, a, a large portion of the um, collection is focused on this painter. Um, and just as a little bit of background before we jump into it, the, the essay itself is called Man at Bay. Um, it's, it's about um, Tintorino, I, I'm definitely gonna mispronounce that, uh, which, which means like little dyer. Right, because his father was a dyer, and he gets sort of this like nickname that's a little bit, you know, making fun of him. Um, but he's a genius, uh, arguably. Uh, Sartre seems to think so. Sartre. Uh, and he um, he is the apprentice to Titan, uh, and uh, he gets blackballed by him because uh, he sees his talent early on when he's a young man. Um, and then so what happens is he refuses to leave Venice because Venice is the place for painters. Um, he is the son of Venice. He thinks it's his birthright to uh, become the new Titan, if you will. And Titan's old at that point, right? Um, and so what we, what we are, are sort of met with here with, with Man at Bay um, is, is an examination of, and not a justification, but more an examination of, um, you know, number one, uh, our painter has become a pariah in the city. Uh, and, and, and number two, um, why he chooses to do what he does. And it starts very uh, strongly with um, the, this mention that what he's doing is taking all these other great painters' work and doing it better. Um, and I think that that is, is really, really interesting because it gets us into this idea of um, that is the, one of the most competitive things you can do, to beat someone on their field, you know, I mean, in their, in their home uh, place. You beat someone at what they're best at, you clearly have established dominance. Um, and what's interesting is, does that hold true in the way that it does for war uh, with art? Right? If, 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 if I write a Gregorio better than Gregorio, right? That's pretty easy to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, does that, does that make me uh, a more dominant writer um, and, and, and as we're looking at it um, I don't think Sartre thinks so and in fact I, I, I would say no um, because uh, what he's doing is sort of creating this illusion is I can do everybody else better than they can do themselves um, so I must be great imagine what I would do if I was just doing me if I was just doing my unique work. Um, and, and, and so when we translate that to other arts, I, I was interested in what you guys um, thought when we're, when, we're, when we're considering, you know, uh, there, there's that adage, um, mimicry is the highest form of flattery. Um, flattery is, is, is not, uh, you know, establishing you as, as the best. It's, it's, it's a cover band. Yeah, uh, <laughs> like, like us. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when, when I read this, uh, I was constantly reminded uh, of Rodin, and you sure. know I don't want to talk about another artist, you know, while we're talking about this artist, but um, but I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it was like almost it was a very similar experience. What I understand of Rodin is that when he came out uh, in France, late 1800s, early 1900s, his work was so good that people thought that. Um, he was, he was using life molds instead mm. of actually doing it himself. So he, his fuck you to all them was he would just do things better than anybody ever could. And if you see like the hands and some of the uh, other uh, features on his, his sculptures there, they're almost uh, grotesque and uh, a little larger than life. Right. So we could say, who did I fucking mold these from? 
you know? Oh, right, 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 right uh, yeah. How about that? Um, anyway, so that... And that's originality. Yeah, so that this whole, you know, of, of uh, Tintoretto? Um, it, it, yeah, I think you're right. How do you say his name? I, Tintoretto. Tintoretto? I, yeah. Do you have to say it with the accent like that? <laughs> I didn't realize I did it. <laughs> yeah. how, do you, how do you say the cheese? It's like Giada on that yeah. show. How do you say mozzarella? So I lost my train of thought. Uh, it reminded me of Tintoretto, or Tintoretto reminded me of that, of, you know, uh, what, what, you know, how can you forge your own path as, as an artist? And, yeah. um, of course, Tintoretto, in this essay, uh, had a lot more going on than, you know, uh, Rodin, but... Sure. Um, I'll defer to you on that. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, it's 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 interesting because you know I, I think it starts the essay starts with um, he's commissioned to do uh, this piece um, that is meant to sort of juxtapose um, this other piece done by an artist who has long since passed, uh, and he chooses to mimic that style and do it better rather than put his own thing up there mm -hmm. to to sort of literally juxtapose it, you know. Um, and, 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 it, and it's this constant sort of like, um, aren't I the best? And I think Sartre uh, starts uh, by saying that he, he basically explodes lightning and fireworks in the face to gain the commission, right? Like, this is what I can do. Uh, and then w once gained, uh, he kind of examines what he has to do. Um, and then just, I think he's arguing that he's deferring to, to sort of the easier uh, of the two things because creating something original um, rather than besting something that exists, uh, you have a template there if something exists, you know? And so, and so you're saying, I can do X, perhaps X, Y, and Z, all of it, better, um, and, and, and then I do. And I'm not sure that um, that, that is actually um, having, having your own voice through art expressed uh, in the way that it seems like Tintoretto, Tintoretto um, wants to. Mm -hmm. it, 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 and, and Sartre kind of argues, right, that it's, that it's being disguised in these things, right? You can see them now next to one another, and you go, why is this one so much better than the dude whose style I'm aware of because it's his style, right? Well, how, how is this better? Um, and it's, you know, it's, of course, at a time uh, where we get into and the argument moves to um, why he chooses to do this, which is to gain those commissions because his prestige and his, his, his worth is based solely on how many commissions he gets uh, and, and, how, and, and, and how often uh, his, his work is hanging. It's like, you why know? do you join a cover band? <laughs> sure. Because like, so you, you, you want to make money. I, that's why I thought it was such a pertinent essay, no, it's, right? Because yeah, yeah. It's, it's really talking it's about... It's the to only them, reason to join a cover band. It's monetizing oh, yeah. art. I yeah. wanted to be in a wedding band forever because you can charge 10 grand <laughs> and, and just walk away. But, but I think the interesting thing here is, is, is the time period in which this is made um, is when... when not to use Nietzsche, but like God is dead, right? So at this point... It's Nietzsche. Nietzsche, sorry. And it's Sachla. <laughs> But like, um, so no longer is this art uh, uh, meant to glorify uh, God and, and Christ in that way. If it's not for God, then for whom? And so this whole, this whole uh, thing sort of flips it all on its head. And, and uh, Tintoretto says, for my own, uh, for my own uh, wealth, for, to, to, to feed my children and to um, essentially uh, establish my name uh, as quantity. Right, I have the most out there. Right, he's churning things out. He has the most. A regular um, old Gregorio. Right, so we have this uh, the most published you, man in the room. Man. Most published <laughs> man in the room. But but really, we have we have we have all of this 
um, and, and, and it's, it's monetizing art. Whereas before, I think Sartre is alluding to, there was a purity and there was, there was a, almost like a divinity um, that, was, that was attributed to these artists who were the masters. Um, so you're saying that that's lost in the copy, the better copies. Sure. Even if the copies are better than the originals. It's still a copy. Yeah. yeah. So that divinity is lost. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I, I think Sartre says that it's this um, idea of, of, and this is what I read it as, um, and I would love to hear you guys' thoughts on this. You know, uh, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote him real, real, real quick here. Uh, Genius, a new word from Europe. This shows up. Um, it is a conflict between relative and absolute. And so I kind of see this as uh, the notion of human beings being able to capture truth, which I mm -hmm. kind of read as the absolute, right, the divine, um, uh, through their means or, or their reality. Um, so we're using the temporal, the dying, right? Our bodies are dying, our world is dying, right? We're using this temporal thing to capture the everlasting, uh, the, 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 the thing that exists outside of time. We're trying to, in time, uh, basically hold on to a piece of that in art. And I think that's really profound. Um, and that's sort of one of the major takeaways that I had from this essay was this idea that is this the role of the artist to capture the divine, to capture the absolute, the, what I would say is truth, um, and, 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 and to do it uh, uh, with these, these temporal tools. Um, and I don't know, what are, what are... I agree with you. Nice. That you think that that is the role of art. Yeah. Yep. I, I, well, absolutely. Well, I've always thought that, you know, as soon as you start mass producing, or in this case, just getting the most publications or whatever, <laughs> Daniel, um, you start to bastardize stuff. Um, things get lost. Um, You're not pouring over every word exactly. if it's literature in the way that you would otherwise. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like, I always go back to punk. So I was always a punk guy because fuck you guys making money. Sure. We're doing something, we're trying to do something new, even if it's probably not, because everything's probably already been done. Unless it's pop punk, which is absolutely bastardized. Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> Did you have something like that? No, it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, there's a lot to unpack in all this, where it's, I mean, you have the conversations about originality and things coming out as new and somebody inventing that, that newness or the novelty. But, you know, I think Carl Jung, he, you know, the psychoanalyst, you know, student absolutely. of Freud. Yeah. His whole thing was like stories, similar stories exist throughout histories and different manifestations to their particular life worlds, right? So yeah. what existed in the Greek times, the duality of like a good and evil, right? And how they struggled with it exists in each period in history in their own unique way. The collective unconscious. Yeah, so it's, it's yeah. And, but those similar stories or the, the same sort of idea and premise, that tension, right. exists throughout history. So it's very difficult for something to come out as wholly original without being Absolutely, derivative yeah. to something else. Yeah, those um, archetypes, right? Yeah, exactly. Archetypes, exactly. Yeah. And then, you know, with, with the struggle and the tension that you're talking about with the artist's role as trying to capture a universal truth, right and and project that out right but it has to be particular to their own subjective world right absolutely yeah. so it's very tough to reconcile something that's universal into your own particular life world with all its banalities and whatever that are excluded from or excuse me that are included in your world but are excluded from others so it's a really tough objective to, to really to, to fulfill yeah um but that's like where i find my my guy is hegel and like that's you know that's the dialectic where 
yeah, you know, you have something, right? You know, some objective thing, and then you have the particular, and those things kind of, you know, conflict with one another. Those are fists banging. Those are, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the beauty of podcasts. Um, <laughs> the discreetness of it. Um, but, you know, when, when those things, you know, come together in that tension and something's created, that's a dialectic where uh, something new comes out, history happens, right, in its own unique way, and then something else comes along which conflicts with that thing. So it's always ongoing. But I, I really find it interesting with art where it's, I think the one thing that's missing is, missing that you're kind of getting into, I'm interested to hear what you guys have to say is, you know, art's function is to show uh, this truth or whatever you want to call it to this audience. I, 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 and there's another thing I want to bring up, but I'll let the conversation go from here, where, you know, it, especially in today's culture where <laughs> guys who <laughs> act like, say, Trump, who act like they, they espouse truth, they espouse at their best, is, right. you know, is, art to, is art's role to almost like expose their fakeness, you know what I mean? Their, 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 their untruth. Yes. You know what I mean? I, so, would, I would say for sure. That's kind of like, and that's punk rock, which is like, yeah, totally. fuck power, let's expose the untruth of yep. it, which is the truth yeah. in itself. Yep. But yeah. Yeah, it's a lot to unpack, but it's a really interesting conversation that... Yeah, I, 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 totally, I totally agree. And, and, and to that point, I think like, you know, you have things like the free press, which are being dismantled, which is being dismantled. And, and it's like the only thing protected in the Constitution, right? Right. I, I, to, to not be dismantled. And yet it is, it is happening. You have like um, uh, uh, Hulk Hogan suing Gawker and, and being funded by all these Silicon Valley or the Silicon Valley sort of billionaire, because mm-hmm. uh, he he something on Gawker was was written that he didn't care for, right? right? So you, you you have arguably truth is being able to be bought now, right? <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. And and silenced, yeah. right? It, it purchased its silence, and and I think that's fucked up, yeah. you know, and 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 that seems to be happening. Yeah. And so I would argue for sure that that art's role it has and 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 will always be to to, to expose real real truth and and what you said uh i actually have a, a a line here which is it's pretty interesting talking about the age right um and it's always we're always viewing through that lens of our own time um an artisan's worth is measured by the number and importance of the commissions he receives the honors that he is accorded um and what sartre says is um Tintoretto's uh, art cuts through his age like a flaming sword but he can only see it through the eyes of his time so even if he is doing something vastly profound, and I think this speaks to a number, especially authors, um, they won't be recognized in their own time because yeah. their own time comes with this particular lens. You can just look at the popularity of Mahler. Mahler was just the composer. It was Absolutely. His whole thing was, how do I encapsulate the world in my symphony? And people in the early 20th century were like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> but this was the struggle of politics, right? That's what... You know, fascism was trying to do it was like we are going to establish a global order through what I view as, you know, the world, right? Yep. And that was an idea that was being struggled with, and nobody could appreciate his art until now. Mahler's played, you know, Symphony Number no. Five is played. It's a piece that everybody hears. But during that period, everybody was just like, ah, oh, fuck this, you know, yeah. this is uh, this is yeah. dribble, you know. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. It, it, and, and it's uh, it's a little bit frustrating, but also I think freeing to say that you can toil 
and 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 that's an, another thing that that shows up, right? The solitude yeah. uh, that he experienced that gets mentioned over and over again, um, and, and you know, self-affirmation through self-effacement uh, is, is something that Sarge, you know, uh, says about him, and and it's and it's true, um, you know, and 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 so it's 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 pretty interesting to see that you can actually see it as a really freeing thing to go, fuck it, right? I'm gonna do this thing. And I might not ever see it, and it might never come to any sort of end that has the impact that perhaps I hope or want, but it might. And that, I think, is, is, is that's one of the more redeeming things I took away from this essay. Well, I have, so, um, I, w- I was a little bit of a fuck up in high school, so everything I've done since has been to say fuck you to everybody who thought I was a total idiot. And when I heard uh, there's a, a punk band called Ten Foot Pole, Um, (laughs) and they have a song called Plastic and the chorus is I want to last forever like plastic in the landfill of your memories will you remember me and that's been my mantra Uh, and probably not a good one but it has been (laughs) you could have chose chewing gum I guess Uh, yeah I mean it, it's interesting. I think this moves us to sort of one of the final, I thought, big points from the essay, which is the, the notion of taste um, and, 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 you know, why you're not liked in your time. That's the taste of the population, usually, uh, or what they're being fed to see as taste. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, a dude who used to be the DJ on Drexel Radio Thursday mornings, like 5 a.m. Uh, when I'd be driving in, I would hear him. It was the most tasteful fucking shit for two hours. Um, and it was 70s punk, no, nothing I'd ever heard before. And you know, if you go to a bunch of uh, different bars in the city especially, there's a lot of uh, jukeboxes that have CD, I literally know like maybe two CDs in the entire catalog of things. But they're not necessarily tastefully, this guy would put together these tasteful, 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 really fantastic. And it's subjective, right? Because this is me saying it's tasteful, so yeah. that's, you'd have to appreciate my taste. Like Rob from High Fidelity. Exactly, right? Exactly, and so um, what we what's interesting about that is um, th- there's there's this quote, uh, you know, uh, well, number one, playing the public opinion, the imbecile passion of the part for the whole, right? Doing they really like this one thing, some would do that over and over again, um, and that's not tasteful, right? <laughs> it's it's monetizing art, um, but I think that uh, the <laughs> exactly yeah. 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 Hey man, Seinfeld's good. <laughs> <laughs> when we're when we're when we're talking about um, uh, taste, though, I I would say, and here's the quote: um, the artist uh, becoming conscious of his solitude forces that artist to then consider his own taste and also the taste of the public and reconcile the two. Um, and you know. Depending on how educated you are as an as an artist or how much art you you consume, um, your taste I would argue grows with that consumption. Right, the more you consume, the more tasteful yeah. you become. Um, and so, I argue that taste is the most important and beautiful, intangible unknown uh, that one can develop but never fully realize consciously. You do so much artistically without recognizing that you're doing it purposefully, tastefully. Um, because of all this consumption, it becomes part of your subconscious. Um, and I think that it exists. Taste uh, is a true intangible, true unknown that exists outside of the artist, outside of the curator, outside of the patron. 
Um, and I was wondering what your thoughts were on that, because that was like kind of the last major thing that I that I took from it. I mean, so where do you think taste come taste comes from then? That that consumption. To just consume and then like. And, but not blindly consume, right? Yeah. To, to, to consume and reflect, yeah. right? To critically consume, I guess you could say. So are you, do, you, are you, do you think like you're aware of it as it's happening? Well, because I think, I think you are because then you, you are purposely consuming. Right. right. But in the beginning, you're just fucking... Whatever, everything. Everything. You're a, you're right. a funnel. And you're right? copying and, and you're this just, and that. And, and, you're, and you're stealing yeah. little bits as an artist, right? You're stealing, uh, you know, as a drummer, I'll steal this fill because that's fucking awesome. But then yeah. as years go by and I consume more, that fill starts to manifest into something uniquely my own. That's your, yeah. I, I, I agree with you. <laughs> I like the way you said that. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm just thinking about my own, uh, you know, roles in ours, whether it's writing or music. You know, I, I'm way better at what I do now as as a late 30 year old than I was when I was in early 20s, which is which is like very unfortunate because that's when I I could have used this, you know, better. Absolutely. You know, right? And that's that's what happens in our time. Here. That shit is just tragic. So, so I'm glad you. Yeah, right. So <laughs> oh I'm God. glad you. You know, in our time, I was when you were talking about artists not being aware. You know, you can only look at your own. Uh, what'd you say? Like through your own lens. Exactly. Right? Your yeah. world through your own lens. Uh, I was thinking about all these um, writers who, who like fell out of fashion, and then they were largely forgotten. And then you, you know, you're, you're reading the history. It's like, oh, people didn't actually care for them that much, and now. You know, give a shit. fifty years Bad later, in the yeah. but you know, how many times, yeah. right? But for you know, for us, it's like, well, we've always loved Dickens, you know, right. we've always loved Poe, we've always loved Shakespeare. You got to remember, there was a time where, where these guys were not favorable, they were not fashionable to like. They, the, the general population tastes were yeah. not, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I guess only a few people get very lucky to, I guess, to have both. Experience it in their time. Yeah, yeah. If if I can be the Debbie Downer, though, I think go for it. <laughs> well, the guy the, there's a, a sociologist. He wrote the sort of the, the canonical book uh, on taste. It's called Distinction. It's guy Pierre Bourdieu, and it's like Distinction: A Social Critique on Taste. And he basically saw taste as a way of uh, different social strata distinguishing themselves from one another. And they call he called this habitus. So a group's habitus would sort of inform their taste. It would be sort of a, a group function where they, it sounds abstract, but they sort of all identify with certain artists or uh, ways of identifying with artists, picking one and not the other. And, and the best way I can sort of describe this is, <laughs> I went to a strip club like three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> this is the yeah, best way. This is way. the best way so, I can <laughs> I went, I went to cheerleaders, and I'm not. I'm kind of bashful when I go, but uh, my buddies like I always steal their dollars and I give the girls a dollar to go away, that sort of thing. <laughs> and this 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 girl, she comes over and she's like, you know, hey, can I give you a lap dance? And I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm good. But oh, where, where are you from? I, I, I noticed an accent. She's like, oh, Poland. And I'm like, don't mention Warsaw. <laughs> Say Krakow. Seem cool. So right, I'm yeah. like, oh, are, you from, are you from Krakow? And she's like, actually, I am. You know, and they, we got to talking, <laughs> and then we talked about Russian literature for a little bit. Nice. And, yeah. She, so she's standing there having cheerleaders, no less. Yeah, yeah, at cheerleaders. <laughs> yes. So, but the the point is, is that we talked about Russian literature, 
uh, Chekhov, Boglakov, uh, Gogol. Gogol, yeah. They call the, well, no, we, we avoid Dostoevsky and Tolstoy. <laughs> well, that's the thing where, and I think you can find this sort of manifest in our culture today where it's like, it's very unpopular, at least with people who I imagine we go in the same circles to say, oh yeah, talk about Tolstoy at length, or talk about Dostoevsky, talk about the Sex Pistols or the Ramones, or talk about, you know, Converge is cool, but no, let's talk about this small hardcore band that only you know about. Converge is yeah. cool, though. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm going to see them August 5th. Oh, lucky uh, bastard. Fucking A, with neurosis. Um, but nobody likes that. Like, that's the thing. Nobody talks about neurosis. And the same thing happens in beer. Like, there's, there's a bunch of small boutique cool breweries that if you're in the know, you're in the know, and you, you're in a part of a group, right? And you yep. sort of, by saying, oh, I know Chekhov and Bulgakov, you're sort of identifying it. This is my taste. And I'm not just part of the hoi polloi here, like, oh, yeah, I'm familiar with, you know, oh, Brothers name. Karamazov or, yeah, Lagunitas IPA. No, right. I know Treehouse or I know. And it's a way of, so I know you're speaking from the artist point, but I'm a sales guy. I think most people out there, they, you know, they like to think of themselves as artists, but really they're, you know, have other occupations and they go out in the world and they, you know, they, they consume. Just, yeah, they consume, right? Yep. But I think a very, really popular thing for all of us is like, you want to be cool so you don't say the canon. The canon is something that's like, you know, you don't talk about Mainstream, Dickens. Yeah. You don't talk about, yeah, Poe. You talk about the obscure English. Uh, you, uh, Thomas Hardy, let's talk about him. Who couldn't be a more boring writer than Thomas <laughs> Hardy? Really. But you're like, oh, yeah, I suffered through Jude the Obscure. You know, it's cool as shit, you know. You know? I, don't know. I don't know if you guys feel the same way, like just going around and like, Interacting with people, it's like it's there's a there's a pissing contest almost. I, no, I totally agree. I like yeah. everybody, every time somebody says, "Yeah, I'm into punk rock, man. I love the Ramones." I'm like, "Fuck you, <laughs> <laughs> fuck you, man." Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. When we when we play shows, people will be like, "Oh man, what do you what do you guys listen to, or or, or how would you describe yourselves?" Like if it's before the show, before we play, I'll be like, "Oh, Q and not you, yeah. Death from yeah. Above, 1979," and I'll, I'll, I'll the give cooler Discord stuff, you exactly. know? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Jawbreaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people will be like, oh, "Oh, well." And that's how like, you can almost see somebody's character. Like, if they're like, I don't fucking know who that is. Yeah. Can you tell me about it? I'm yeah. interested. I almost like that person more than the person like Red right Opera. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you feel validated that you're like, you're, you're like, oh, I have something that's my own. Yeah, that, yeah, and yeah. I can bring it on somebody else. You're also, yeah. level. You know, you're a teacher. You're a community. Yeah. yeah. You feel like now you get to teach. That's true. And share your That's thing. an inherent yeah. trait that I can't really. Yeah. I think I'm a lot more like Mike, um, that I only like uh, bring out my deep cuts. <laughs> when I'm at strip clubs <laughs> or, uh, you know, my man, my when the, the person, the next stall over, yeah. you know. Hey, man, that sounds sleep. like a good one. Uh, you want to yeah. talk some shit? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's true. I would definitely, I love Dostoevsky, yeah. but I would say Gogol before yeah. Dostoevsky for sure yeah. because of, and I can segue to Gogol Bordello. Yeah. And then. We yeah. can we can bridge the two, yeah. I, it's it's really really interesting. You don't want to. You're almost uncool to be too mainstream. And I, I I would argue that in fact that might do that has to do and to bring it together with our age. We're exposed to everything, yeah. right? You listen to LCD sound system, uh, um, the one where you can hear the kids coming up. I heard that you have every great Beach Boys song <laughs> on a single EP with all the Japanese reissue cuts. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's a line from the song. And it's, um, uh, it, it's, it's one of those things where we're, we have everything at our fingertips. So you can, you can really, really curate um, 
this exclusivity that you haven't earned, right? In a lot of ways, I had to get in, you know, the late 90s and early 2000s, a CD burned for me that had Thursday, Refused, and Cave-In on it. And that, Cave-In is so good. That was, that was, that was my introduction to, to punk that I really, 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 really like. Yeah. But I had the, the dude in the deli talk to me handful of times, saw my band play, and then gave me the CD because I was like, worthy <laughs> that. He was, you know, he was like the gatekeeper for that shit because yeah. um, he pers- knew I didn't know about it. That's a perspective that's probably, uh, I don't want to say unique, but uh, to our generation, but probably the last. I think it's the end of that. Yeah. Uh, but let's, let's wrap up the, the, the essay. I think um, ultimately he's, he's harsh, he's critical. Uh, all of these notions sort of get explored. And then he ends with Essentially, uh, Tintoretto was um, in love with the city, right? And, yep. and, and, and he, he painted for, for Venice, if nothing else. Um, I uh, like that. I, I like the way that, that, that he ended that. It was I a good really, ending to the story, but I thought it was... <laughs> <laughs> it's, a little yeah. bit of, it's a little bit of a cop-out, though, too, right? Well, uh, you know what? It's one of those things. I saw like it a, as he went to... He's in Venice. He's a child of yeah. Venice. Um, but Venice at that time was the New York City or the L.A. Yeah. It's where you went if you were from somewhere else to become an artist, you know, to become somebody. And he's from there. He is... He is he has, his birthright is to become the next great yeah. there. And... Um, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I, but I would argue that. I would argue that it's the New York or the L.A. No, and, and you could, but just because something is true doesn't mean there that the go. opposite isn't true also. Sure, sure. Well, what? I, 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 <laughs> so, so just because they're saying, you know, he, he's painting uh, a Venice because he was from there and he was born there. And, you know, the, that, for Venice, for her. For her, right? Yeah. Um, just because that's, This is one does for Paris or New York, right? Woody Allen does them for both. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> Midnight in Paris is the best. Sorry. Maybe that's the only thing he could do. Sure. Right? You're right. One becomes accustomed to their, to their place and their time, and that's that. Yeah. And, that. and that really does happen. It becomes very difficult to move yourself from there after time. So you're right. And you're that, right. that's kind of where I land. Uh, you know, when you're trying to strive as an artist, uh, striving is the operative word, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, 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 you encompass many orbits, and some of them, you know, uh, I guess um, posterity will, 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 will tell if you're lucky enough for posterity to care about you, are, are more mm-hmm. true than others. So. And you might have a guy like Sartre who, who digs. Sartre. And, and who digs, finds you, brings you into yeah. the public consciousness. So, uh, you, uh, oh, I didn't know that Sartre dug him up. Is that, was that like a, a renaissance in people... Uh, it wasn't that he dug him up so much as, as he, he was at his time mm-hmm. this well-known name and he chose to write this essay which would undoubtedly throw uh, Tintoretto into the public consciousness okay. in a way that perhaps he wouldn't have otherwise right, just, just like I, I mentioned earlier with the other uh, folks who I guess fell out of fashion you know, take someone to come along and be like oh this person's actually pretty good yep <laughs> Any closing thoughts on uh, Sartre? Uh, I'm, Nick? I read it. It went over my head. I'm glad we talked about it because I, I, I got some, some really good clarification. Gleaning? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I felt like uh, Sartre was a big fan of uh, <laughs> punk rock. So. 
<laughs> he was a pretty punk dude. <laughs> Look at this fucking picture of him, which you'll have to post because it is, oh my it God. is <laughs> the least punk looking guy. <laughs> I am so fucking angry. That's, that's what he says to me. Um, but in any case, yeah, uh, I'm glad we got into it. I, I, I enjoy reading this quite a bit. Um, and, um, I thank you guys for, for, for indulging me with this one. Oh, it was fun. And of course. Mike, nicely done. Um, so let's move on to what the fuck we are listening to right now. Let's get into that music, I'm ex- baby. I'm really excited about this because I actually yeah? I have some good shit. Nice. Yeah. You want to start it? I'm going to fucking start. Go for it, Okay. Oh, man. So I'm all about the ladies. All about the ladies. <laughs> so I got, right. and, I, and I got two of them, baby. <laughs> what, do you, what do you got? What do you got? Okay. So um, uh, this is current Lana Del Rey's new album came out. She's good. Uh, last, I guess. So it came fuck, out last week. Fuck <laughs> no. <clears throat> Jesus Christ. Disagree. You know a guy from Hofstra Managers there? The <laughs> really? guy we went to school with. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. Lana Ray's little, good. Fuck you. Side note. So I listened to, uh, taste, you I listened to her new album, <laughs> and uh, I'd only heard spatterings of her here and there. Probably wasn't recorded live because she can't do that. No, she cannot. Oh, <laughs> um, anyway, so sake. listen. Which, as you know, is how of, I judge. Lots of people are Musicians. are recording artists, and that's fine. Like, sure. All right, so number Next. two, uh, legit artist, uh, Nicole Atkins. Okay. Um, that's new to me. Uh, she's got, this is her fourth album. She is Doesn't mean it's not fucking awesome. <laughs> she's, she's from your state. She's from Asbury Park. Oh, yeah. Uh, Neptune City, uh, particularly. So her first album, Neptune City, is fucking amazing no her shit. second one Amando Amore is fucking amazing and as uh, any true artist uh, it's worth her salt she evolved her third album went a little bit um, uh, I want to say disco-y but a little more dance <laughs> okay, little okay, okay. but it still sounds like her like rock and roll and she's sure. got a very unique style and her, her new album just came out and she I think she moved to Nashville and that uh, definitely influenced her sound um, but yeah, it still yeah, sounds yeah. like her. Pop country like this bullshit. Kind of, no, not quite. Uh, <laughs> well, think about it, though. Jack White moved down to Nashville, yeah. and his shit got I, Nashville's a, a hell of a town. I, yeah, I, I'm yeah. Just I've, I've heard a lot of good things. Jamie, about anyway, uh, Jamie Lydell, Harmony Corinne. Yeah, they both moved down there. Nicole Atkins' new album just came out. It's called Good Night, Rhonda Lee. It is a. It's a, it's about a woman who is uh, a little bit older. She's in her in her 30s now, looking back at her life and you know, uh, reflecting and still just putting out kick-ass music nice that's a good uh better than Lana Del Rey's we killed that though why the fuck did you even bring it the (laughs) fuck up it was it was good you're up now you're up what do you got I also have two I have one local and one not nice I'll start with the not good shit and of course we should mention that we are really trying to support some local local scene stuff so let's bring it in because I got one for those two um the not local one is uh, Big Boy's new record called Boomiverse. Dude, he can almost do no wrong. He I, is When I was at Hofstra, awesome. I stole my roommate's car, and we went and bought the Love Below <laughs> and Speaker Box and then blasted it in his 300Z all around smoking a mini hookah that I had also purchased during the theft of the car. And uh, I'll tell you what. Ghetto music is one of the all-time greatest dance songs ever. Ever. It's amazing. Period. I say that because, you know, Mike and I, Hofstra brothers. Go for it. Um, but Boomiverse is basically the exact opposite of what every rapper and hip-hop artist uh, currently is doing. No shit. It's really bizarre. In what way? In what way? 
Because they're, um, they're both weirdos. It, uh, exactly. Which is and why I love Outkast. That's exactly why I love Outkast, too. I mean, they, it, it's just atypical. They're, it's sort of old school, but he uses a lot of weird noises. Uh, like, okay. to the point where <laughs> one tune um, is like this little piano ditty that sounded like it could could have come out of a, a saloon in the Old West. And he's just rapping over it. It's called All Night, and it's just an amazing I like the sound of that. Track. It's nice. awesome. It is great. They do have they do have an old west uh, proclivity though, as you know from uh, <laughs> sure, sure. The, um, that's just the one track though. But it, it's super weird. It's it's great. Um, and Big Boy can rap his face off. Yeah, uh, he's always he's, good. He's incredible. He's kind of like funny, and he's super weird. Definitely. They're definitely weird. Definitely weird. What's the um, local? The local is uh, Cayetana. Nice. Um, an I don't know. An all lady indie punk band. Um, Ooh, very like melodic, um, super lo-fi on their recordings. Um, really great live. They put a new record out called New Kind of Normal uh, two months ago. Um, and it's super, and you should listen to it. Um, they do, they're, they're touring nationally now. I mean, they're, oh, they, they really blew up. Um, not like nationally as in stadium tours, but they're touring pretty constantly. You said all a, female indie groups, so in no way did I assume stadium tours. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I bought a 7-inch from them on, on a whim uh, years ago, and I've been in love with them since, so listen to Cayetana. They're from Philadelphia. Kick ass. Yeah. So there's a yeah. uh, song on the new Lana Del Rey album called Take Off Your Clothes. and uh, He's making less of a case for this <laughs> album as the <laughs> cast goes on. Just less, less of a case. I don't want to make a case. I is it getting hot in here? Was that I was, what, I mean, yeah, I was trying, just trying to prod the bear. The funny, oh, the funny fucking Christ. thing is, it, you know what? I'm not even going to talk about it. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, so, Mike, do you have uh, anything you listen to currently? It doesn't have to be local. I didn't, I didn't really Yeah, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I listen to a band called Happy Diving. They're just like an indie band, lo-fi but really, really crusty lo-fi. Um, I like that. Yeah. Crusty lo-fi. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's good. Pittsburgh? Yeah. I don't so know where the they're from. That's the crust capital of the world. But they're, they're legit. You ever hear that band? There's like a whole J-Psych, Japanese psychedelic, like late 70s, early 80s, where it's just, you can't understand really what's going on. It's just, <laughs> but like there's some melody there. It's nice. a little bit like that, but a little bit clearer. That's so. like the dude from Drexel Radio uh, would play shit like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, the, the other band, uh, I've, been, I've been trying to get back into, have you ever heard of Death in June? I have not. No. no. I, I swore you were going to say REO Speedway. No. <laughs> I saw it. No. You were ready to say it. Yeah, I know. Like, I got to make brown. a face. Like, yeah. uh, he's, they, you ever heard? he's really controversial. He's an English guy. He's Douglas, uh, Douglas Pease, they, like they call him. Uh <laughs> it's it's tough it's tough to wrap your head around it it's like it's a just singer songwriter kind of stuff but okay. he's really hated by like left leaning groups because they all think he's a fascist and oh. he is really like a cult cryptic like uh, there's sort of German uh, iconography for his album covers. Oh shit! Right. So he's really provoking. He's got an iron cross. On yeah, him. more or less. It's a, the skull from the SS, but it's not. He's not that at all. Gotcha. Personally, but he likes to provoke, mm. to really provoke people. He's banned all over, but he's he's got a really interesting attitude towards power and, and those dynamics, which I think is like missing from the myriad of cultural, like uh, you know, whatever you want to call them, music or whatever that uh, he plays around with. Them. It's interesting. 
it's not for the lighthearted, but it's kind of <laughs> it's worth just like looking into and knowing who this guy is. That's really interesting, yeah. uh, you know, because we we you know you don't see often uh, people that are messing with album art anymore no. because album art kind of doesn't exist, which no. is which is it's I coming think, back though. Absolutely, with the with the yeah, uh, vinyl. vinyl sales, I think absolutely outpaced something. I don't have my stats, yeah. but they did what, like they like did good. Windows media files. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and thank you, Daniel, for that update. Yeah. WMAs are now below vinyl sales. <laughs> Makes sense. Um, but I, I'll, <laughs> I'll, uh, I, I, I will say that's something I miss so fucking much is 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 honestly album art i i i, I fucking love it um i've been listening to miss it i still get that i only buy albums man i only buy albums as well as you well know yeah. um but i i will say that you know i buy albums that i think are best as albums you know what i mean yeah. so like so like i don't have a lot and and one of the two of the bands i've been listening to one is very popular has since disbanded and the other is a very local one that i think everybody should fucking listen to um just once and then if you like it continue obviously uh so the the more popular band uh that i've been listening to quite a bit recently is an old band uh murder city devils um i have a bunch of their nice. vinyl and i fucking love them um and they're great. I, 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 I mean, you're talking about um, uh, the organ, the two guitars, drummer who, who is, is, is never going to be stopped from playing fast, even if it's a slow song. Right? They, cover, <laughs> they cover Neil Diamond, and, and still he manages to rock. Um, nice. So I, I, I don't know. I, I, I absolutely love them. They cover the Misfits. Uh, on, I like that. Uh, they cover the Misfits on the same album that they cover Neil Diamond. So uh, <laughs> it's fucking cool. Don't you, you know? hate the Misfits? And, They're a great um, brand to drink. I, don't, I, I do not care for the Misfits. Huh. Was that? They're a great brand to drink, too. Absolutely, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, he switched from rum <laughs> to whiskey. <laughs> um, and, then, and then he killed his girlfriend. So, you know, uh, it's, it's good that shit. Got dark. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> uh, so I saw them at the TLA. And obviously, you've noticed the trend. I always, you know, I'll talk about a band that I've seen live. Um, I saw them at TLA. They played a nine o'clock show and a midnight show, uh, and of course they have a song "Midnight at the Mutter Museum," which is in Philadelphia, obviously. Um, I worked right across the street from that. It's pronounced Mutter. Absolutely, Mutter. Mutter Museum. I apologize. Here we go again. Uh, Jesus. Got about the umlaut. Uh, so they uh, they played a midnight show at uh, the TLA. Everyone from the eight o'clock or nine o'clock or whatever it was stayed because you got in for free with your ticket uh, from the 8 o'clock to the midnight, or you paid 12 bucks for the midnight. It would have been better if they played at the church right next door, man. You're right, in part, but the best part about this was that um, the TLA serves gigantic 22-ounce beers. Yes, they did. And the Ooh. trend was that everybody, uh, when there was a down second, went bought as many 22-ounce beers as they could, and then ran back and threw them on everybody else. So we were literally just running to the bar and back. I think I spent $300. Uh, I, in no way am I exaggerating, because I got in for free, and I was like, fuck it, I'm in for free. And then they were playing every fucking great Murder City Devil song, and it just became a shit show. Everyone was covered in beer, head to toe. Completely covered that's in beer. my dream. Sticky fucking mess at the end. It was fucking great. Uh, so that's why I love the Murray City it's Devils. Like a gross and punk rock Pamplona. They're awesome. Mm. Um, so and then punk rock the, Pamplona. The, <laughs> like the, uh, the local band that I am going to uh, talk about. I've been listening to. For some, I forget. What, oh, I uh, 
I had a buddy over, and I was telling him about uh, flex discs. Mm -hmm. um, he What's didn't know what it was. Disc? So exactly, um, a flex disc is kind of antiquated um, uh, technology, but it is a essentially oh. a record um, on a piece of. Uh, like very thin plastic glass. So yeah, so yeah. it's 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 a uh, square. Um, Nick is holding it up for us been, to see now. There have been, uh, you know, uh, essentially what would be a forty-five, and they sound uh, real bad. Burn into too, it. right? Like so, they're, they're, supposed they're, be, they're supposed to be lo-fi, like right? purposely lo-fi, yeah. low-quality sound. Um, but you can just throw it on your your record player. Um, and so the band that I'm gonna be talking about is a band called Hers. Uh, H-I-R-S with uh, upside down crosses to the left and to the right of them. Uh, Mike and I got or had the pleasure of playing with them at Two Piece Fest a few years ago. Um, it's two dudes, Two Piece Fest obviously. Uh, the lead dude is um, this fucking sweet, molded, balding, uh, very pro-femme, pro-queer, uh, uh, Daisy Duke wearing uh, motherfucker, and he is the bad motherfucker, um, and the uh, other dude is the guitarist, and they have a wall of different amps uh, and stuff like that, just stacks that they arrange in a very specific way, and uh, and then they just play the drums and the bass uh, come through, and there are these crazy like dance breakdowns that show up mm -hmm. in their um, in their shows, and then. Uh, it'll be just like a girl like, yes, let's dance, let's do it, go, 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 let's, let's dance, let's do it, wait for the break, <laughs> and then it'll go into this Can you death, do that again? <laughs> death, uh, medley, fun ass, I, I always, KMFDM is what I, the, the nearest thing that I could uh, relate them to, um, but they're, they're fucking awesome, uh, and uh, they're from Philly, they just... I don't know if it's just, but they put out um, the first hundred songs, and then they put out another uh, record, which is the next hundred songs, because their songs are about 20 seconds long. Um, so for instance, on the Flex disc, which has about four minutes of time, they have uh, six songs. That's nice. terrific. That is <laughs> so, terrific. Um, yeah, and uh, so the, it's called the Sexy Flexy. I love it. Uh, the, the titles are things like Y'all Are Precious, Friendship Addiction, Consensual Naughty Bodies. Um, you know, stuff like that. Always make shit. Things, things of that nature. Uh, yeah. So hers. That's awesome. Is my, my local flavor Excellent. that fucking rules. Uh, so you just held up a, uh, essentially what's what we call vinyl. It's not, but it's, it's a record, right? So this is what's yeah. really interesting. And you mentioned uh, uh, Russian literature earlier. Uh, in Russia, uh, that did started, remind me of Russian literature. They started. <laughs> Absolutely, it did. I'll, I'll bring it back. Yeah, margarita and all they, that. They yeah. started making these out of old X-rays because it's the same material. Huh. Uh, so this is That's actually awesome. something that during in the Soviet Union um, they were pirating American music and popular music on X-rays yeah. uh, through flex disc, um, and the flex disc was essentially an X-ray that they burned, for lack of a better word. Or more accurate term. Rather. I remember the Chekhov um, play about that. That might be absolutely the most awesome shit I ever heard. Yeah, so that's how it, we, you know, in Britain they had pirate radio and different things mm -hmm. like that, and I think in the U.S. we had pirate radio. Yeah. Um, in the Soviet, in Soviet Russia, they had X-rays that they turned into flex discs, which I think is badass. That is awesome. pretty cool. Yeah. Speaking of it coming back, I found the article of uh, it's from the U.K. Uh, vinyl sales outpaced digital sales uh it was for just one week 
<laughs> in the UK. Uh, it sold 2.4 million pounds uh, versus digital 2.1 million pounds. Fucking A. Yeah, that, that deserves a round of applause for vinyl. Keep, yeah. applause for yes. vinyl. Keep up the good work, UK <laughs> yes. vinyl buyers. Yeah. America, Excellent. come on now. Yeah. Yeah. So it's for one week. That's pretty good. But also vinyl is, you know, it's like $25 for the vinyl. It's true. So I, I think that wraps some music. Check that, check that stuff out. This is what we're listening to. Um, let's get into the beer. We've had quite a few. Yes. Thanks to my buddy Burgle. <laughs> we are at... Uh, to a speed, to remind the listeners. Yeah. Down in uh, Ashton, PA. Ashton. 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 There's no Ashton. H. That's the, uh, <laughs> that's the booze. <laughs> 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 I think they're in Ashton, Ashton, Pennsylvania. You should have explained these guys that. It says <laughs> white. <laughs> white. Cool <whip>. White. Cool <laughs> yeah. Ashton. Uh, you saw, yeah, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn it over to you. Tell, tell us, tell us about the brew, you know? Yeah, well, it all started, we were at a, a strip club and, uh. <laughs> yes! <laughs> <laughs> Call back! <laughs> No, no, no. So we, uh, I so for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, um, no, we started uh, two years ago. So our second anniversary is, I don't know when you're releasing this, but uh, August 4th is when we started uh, in 2015. Fantastic. Yeah. So no, we, uh, you know, I, after Hofstra, you know, I went to another school and I thought, ah, oh, fuck, this isn't for me. So I ended up getting a job in the beer business. I finished school, but I worked for a brewery called Rogue, and then um, out, of, out of Oregon, and I was a sales guy in Southern California. Moved back here, ended up working for Dogfish for a few years, and uh, I get a call from one of my, my accounts, uh, Two Stones Pub. So they have um, bars in Newark, Delaware, uh, Hocassin, Wilmington, one in uh, Jennersville, PA, and Kennett Square. A great account, craft beer, really know what they're doing. Uh, the owner calls me, and we're just bullshitting, going back and forth, and he's like, oh, I'm thinking about opening up a brewery, and you guys see, I mean, there's a fucking, there's a brewery opening up every day, and right, we're just yeah, talking, yeah. and, like, I can tell he's kind of, like, throwing out there, hey, you want to join up, and I got a nice job with Dogfish, and I'm thinking, yeah, good fucking luck, man, you know. <laughs> I see these guys opening up. But so at the end of the you know, talk, I'm like, by the way, who's your brewer? And he's like... Oh, this guy Bob Barrar, and I'm like, shit. So I'm like, All right, let's <laughs> let's talk. So Bob, uh, Bob is. I'm not trying to blow smoke here, but he is one of the most awarded brewers. I'm not talking county fair, but like Great American Beer Fest, World Beer Cup. He's got. Right there's on. only one other guy with more medals than him in this country, uh, Jeff Bagby out of California. But he's got 34 oh, Great shit. American Beer Fest medals and 10 World Beer Cups. Um, Hell yeah! Yeah. So where do you get those from? That's no fucking joke. <laughs> those, those medals are yeah, Great American in Denver. It's a huge yeah. competition. Uh, over 1,500 breweries compete. Well, what um, brews was he with before? He was with Iron Hill. So oh. Iron Hill, he was at the media okay. location. Right. So um, we were able to grab, or Stiggs was able to grab him. He's the owner of Two Stones. And uh, we started this brewery up, and it's been two years. It's been great. Um, we're in Aston, um, right on the border of Chester, right near the Philadelphia Union Stadium. Um, yeah, I mean, we've done some really cool stuff, done some collabs. Yeah. yeah, we did a collab with Stone Brewing. Mitch Steele, like the godfather of American IPAs, yeah. was in this building like two months after we opened. It was pretty oh, fucking shit. nuts. Yeah, um, we do collaborations with Coppertail, Funky Buddha, Oxbow. So really cool people walked into this building and brewed with Bob. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, second anniversary. We're doing well. We're just distributing in uh, Philly, Five County, out to Lancaster. And in Delaware, we sent a little bit of beer to Massachusetts. 
And uh, recently we uh, opened up the Tokyo market. So. Oh, I saw, oh, <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> yeah. You guys are out in Japan. Yeah, so that's, that's incredible. Nick and I, Nick and I found each other on the rugby pitch. And I think I might have, the first time I ever broke my nose, I think was on your fucking chest I <laughs> during so. a drill. I think yeah. I got it. It was the first day I went out in the rugby field and we were, we were just doing a contact drill. And I, I ran with my head up and just yep. plopped my oh, nose I on you. I said the first time I broke my <laughs> nose. <laughs> yeah. Well, you kept playing rugby. Yeah. I, I bowed out. Uh, and, uh, you played for Yeah, still playing. Hands, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's. Uh, whether I'm good or not, I have no idea. I definitely slowed down. And that, that's, You're definitely good. <laughs> yeah, the difference between my jog and my sprint is my face changing. So, <laughs> um, so, uh, so uh, yeah, but, uh, you know, interestingly enough, I, when I went, I went to grad school out in California, and, you know, the rugby community, it's like when we see each other, it's like no time has passed. Exactly. How are you doing? Absolutely. Rugby is a very tight, interesting community. And, uh there's sure, a man. there's a five foot four Japanese guy who came out to the pitch, and uh, I go introduce oh, no myself. Shit. Yeah, he speaks maybe five words of English. <laughs> he still does. It's it's terrible. They're like, hey, you know, I'm like, well, welcome, you know, because rugby's a tough game, so you really want to make sure, like, you make the other guys feel welcome. Hofstra was the same experience. Any yep. rugby team I've joined, you want to make sure they feel welcome because it's a rough game, and you want to make them feel welcome because you know, chances are after that practice, they might not come back, right? Absolutely, yeah. So... But if they do... Yeah, your boys, yeah, yeah. All the better for it, yeah. Exactly. So we went out for beers the one night, and he ended up staying out the, the first time he was out. He stayed out the whole night, and uh, <laughs> just sitting there, and I was like, this guy's going to be my best friend. <laughs> I was just talking to him. He's like, yes, yes. And he just talked to me. I have no idea what he was saying. Uh, we go to the library at the same time. I would talk about Hegel with him, and he's just like, <laughs> Eyes would gloss over, and then we just fucking, he'd tell me about a business plan. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> Fast forward, he's like, if you ever open up your own brewery, I'm going to fucking distribute your beer, import your beer into Japan. <laughs> Gives me a call, and he says, I'm ready to quit. He ended up being really successful out there in Tokyo. And, uh, wow, I imagine yeah. that's hard to do. Yeah, no, he worked for Ernst & Young and was president of an education firm out of Sweden, Sweden and... Um, Gave me a call, and then next thing you know, he says, I'm going to import your beer. I'm going to come out. I'm like, all right, man. When are you coming out? He's like, I'm coming out next week. I'm like, where are you going to stay? With you. I'm like, all right, man. So he comes out. Sure enough, a week later, he's there. And no yeah, and I set him up with uh, Captain Lawrence out of New York, uh, City Industrial Arts out of New York, good friends of ours, Evolution out of uh, Salisbury, Maryland, Hardywood out of Virginia, and there's one other brewery. Uh, Burley Oak. So next thing you know, I, I help him get started, and he ends up importing our beer into into Tokyo. It just arrived, and it's been on a few bars. So it's, it's, it's fucking awesome. Rugby, rugby's a really cool community. Really so is. yeah, we're, we might be a bunch of jocks Absolutely. and That's idiots, so cool. dumb shits, but you know it's what? a it's a very cool community. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. The 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 rugby crew was the. They were the, the, the best uh, dudes in that entire school because there was, there was <laughs> so much. You have to back up here because we were called the MMF, Mean Motherfuckers. That was our, yeah. our name. Half the kids yeah. on our team, yeah, <laughs> half the kids on our team did not go to Hofstra. <laughs> yeah. One of the kids was an illegal, illegal alien. Illegal, illegal, <laughs> I, I had no business being in America. I remember Vassar College shows up and they're on the bus and they all come out and they've got their sweatsuit, tracksuits matching. And I'm looking at like five of our guys. They're sitting cigarette, sitting down. <laughs> 
smoking cigarettes, drinking beers, and we're like, we're going to fucking crush these guys. We're the mighty ducks yeah. is what we're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> mighty, mighty ducks 20 years later. With, <laughs> 20 years later with, with the rejects from the Sandlot. Yeah. Just this kind of yeah. combo team. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, fucking... And now there's beer yeah. in Japan. Yeah. yeah. Now there's beer in Japan. Japan. Well, that's the thing. I, I, I will say, uh, Hasha, the, the school is full of um, uh, uh, a lot of... People, I, I, I just really felt like I was being judged quite a bit. And then you get on the pitch, and it's it. That's that's absolutely absolutely gone. Yeah. Every, every everybody there, you were a brother almost immediately. Like the first time you hit somebody, bang. Yeah. You're 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 a brother, and and you know, I mean, it's it's crazy. It, but it it just it just goes to show what nearly 15 years later, not a moment. You know, yeah. and 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 we're sitting here because of that. Yeah. It's, it's it's fucking it's fucking awesome. Yeah. There's you guys are gonna make said, me cry, man. There's something to be said about it. it but yeah. there, it, there really is. There yeah. really is. There's something to be to be said about it. Yeah. Like that that you you've gone to war with somebody. Yeah. No pads. Nothing. Right. You've all bled together. Broke noses. Yeah. Had teeth kicked down your throat. Yeah. And uh, and yeah. then you drink at the end with yeah. the other team. But that's the beauty of it, really. That's what really drew me to it. You drink with the other team at the end. Yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's, it's absolutely phenomenal. Um, let's talk about, uh, about the beer that, we, that we've had, though. Absolutely. Um, I'd like to start with the, uh, the, the 2S Pills Unfiltered. Yep. Um, it, it is absolutely delicious. Refreshing. <laughs> yeah. Delicious. So 2S Pills Unfiltered, awesome, very tasty. Um, I guess I, again, I, I feel like I can have, I think that's the biggest difference here is I feel like I can have a whole bunch of these constantly refreshing, uh, but let's get into the Delco lager. First, sure. Why was, uh, this the first one you went with? Was it, I feel like this was, and this was just my, from afar. I was like, I bet they just love the name Holy and they're like, this is the good. first one we're, t- we're putting out. <laughs> well, it was, you know, brief story was. When we started this brewery up, it's kind of like, what do we brew? What do we do? And Bob is a really quiet guy. And we're all sitting around, a bunch of the partners, we're just saying, what are we going to brew? And we're talking about IPA, sours, saisons for about 45 minutes. And Bob, who's like this kind of Viking looking motherfucker, just big dude, just sitting in the corner, mean mugging everybody. <laughs> and we're like, I just look at Bob, I'm like, Bob, this is your brewery, man. What do you want to brew? And he's Why like, mugging, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, man, what, what the fuck do you want to brew, man? Like, what, it's, this is your brewery. It's your thing. He's like, yeah. I don't give a shit of what we brew as long as we brew Delco Lager. So we're like, all right, Bang. fair enough. Because his butt, he's from Glen Olden, Rutledge. Um, Prospect Park area, which is a little bit rougher neighborhood. His buddies aren't really into craft beer. They're more into Bush, Yingling. So he wanted to make a beer that you can, these guys can take to the tailgate and, and have more than a few of. And it's still very well made, very well crafted. One of the most difficult styles to brew because there's nothing be- to hide behind. So not right, a ton yeah, of hops. It's just, yeah, yeah. very exposed. And exactly. at 4%, you can have quite a few. Sure yeah, can. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and the the thing about it's so funny because it's you, delicious you, when you when you grow up in Pennsylvania you say lager and you get a specific a beer from a specific brewery yeah. yep. exactly um, I don't know why I shrouded that uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, th- this is obviously way better Pennsylvania usually does a pretty good job with lagers maybe it's like the German heritage 
Exactly. We it. do a good job with loggers and pilsers. <laughs> um, but I was working at a bar. Um, I guess I still work there. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I just haven't in a few <laughs> months. <laughs> yeah. But I will next week. I keep um, going and you're not there. And yeah. I just turn around yeah. and I'm like, well, no, I'm going to stay for wings. Nick, I, I don't work there. <laughs> uh, a couple of years ago, we were in a, in a flux of management and ownership. In a what? And in a, a flux. In a flux. Flux. Sounded like flux, um, yeah. That's what I heard. <laughs> in a flux of. Anyway, yeah. We were in a flux. We just lost in fucking. And we were having a, uh, you know, as part of these conversations, you know, are we going to keep carrying a lot of the domestics, you know, the macros, like the Bud Light, the Yingling, the, right. uh, um, and then one of the distributors to, I guess, make a, uh, I don't know all the details, but I know that we had an issue with one of the distributors and we didn't have Yingling. And I was like, well, what are you going to sell for those people that want Yingling? Because people in Philadelphia, even if you're a craft yeah. bar, a large, make it a yacht, lager. Yeah, a large population of your customers are still going to come in, even though it's like your menu is just like stacked with just, it's known you're a craft beer bar. People are still going to walk in. Uh, can I have a Bud Light? It's like, it's not even on the fucking menu. You know? <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so we're debating on whether or not to carry these things, and we, we just, we, we, weren't, we, we weren't carrying those at the time. And we did have the uh, 2SP Delco Lager. So you guys are pretty new back then. I guess the owner manager got a pretty good deal on it because um, we had it for for quite a while, and that was that was the one we we pushed on people. If they asked for for Yingling. It's like, well, we don't have Yingling, but we do have this this two SP Delco Lager, and um, people were very uh, awesome. very very happy with that. Yeah, I'm uh, not gonna lie to you. Well, this is an improvement. It's, it's, <laughs> it's and I, and better I mean, than Yingling. You know, I mean, uh, you know, know. They, like. That goes without, yeah. It's, I mean, it's a lot delicious. of things are, but Yingling's not like a shitty beer, but well, a lot of things are better than it. I yeah. totally um, can agree with that, yeah. but like as far as lagers go. But he's a regular ass beerman. I'm a regular, a regular ass, ass beerman. beerman. I have uh, a heartburn issue, as we know. <laughs> there it is. And <laughs> I forgot to take my Zantac today, and this is doing just fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, as, as, a, as ever a, there were an ad, that was it. <laughs> as a beer salesman, you know, on the other side of the bar, if people ask, like, how a beer is, like, I always, it's like, Oh, it's fucking great. So for like a couple of weeks, like this, this isn't like my style of beer. So for a few weeks, I'm like, I'm just selling the shit out of it. And people are really liking it. And I'm like, maybe, uh, you know, I'll give it, it a shot. Great. Yeah. So I tried it and I was like, this, you know, this is actually pretty good. So yeah. uh, okay. it was nice to be able to say something is good and, and like not be lying to people. Yeah. As so, you want to do. As well, as, <laughs> as you're, you know, you don't want to carry product and be like, yeah. well, this is shitty. And then you're never selling to anybody. And then, you know. Yeah. How's the Coors Light taste? <laughs> well, it's fucking great. Verbatim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, no, the, the higher the pitch, the shittier it is. That's true, yeah. You're lying. <laughs> or, or, the hi- or, or how no, much no, I don't no, know. No, no, I have no, no fucking idea. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, that makes uh, that makes a lot of sense. Um, <laughs> the things that I really like, oh, they're fucking terrible. <laughs> no way, I can just drink them all. Yeah. <laughs> Keep them in the corner for me. Nah, you won't yeah. like that, buddy. Yeah. Nah. It's not for you. Yeah. Uh, I, I got to say, this has been an absolutely fantastic it's time. It's been a total I, treat. I, yeah. Absolutely. We're sitting in, in, in the middle of these gigantic... Fucking uh, pieces of machinery. I wish you could see it. This is, this is uh, yeah... This, this is where it happens, and, and we got to be in the middle of I'm it. I'm going to go skinny um, dipping in the mash. <laughs> so, uh, Enjoy is, that flavor. so mm, sweet bitch. smelling back here. I fucking love it. It's, it's, it's delicious. 
Uh, it, it's fantastic. Um, so I, I do want to thank 2SP. Absolutely. They have been yeah. the most gracious of hosts. This is this yes. is absolutely fantastic. Um, Mike, especially. Ah, no problem. Thank, thank you guys for coming out. And thank you. Uh, cheers. Brewery Cat. Two Certainly. cheers to 2SP. Cheers. Uh, two thank cheers you guys. to cheers. Thank you so much thank for having us. Yeah, it was awesome, bro. The sound cheers. of tin cans clanking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 Nothing like some cans clanking. Um, fantastic. That's up. That's for us at uh, thank you for listening at Book Record Beer. Take it uh, away. Show them where they can uh, or tell them where they can see pictures of us in this fantastic space. Sure. Um, you can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash book record beer podcast <laughs> at. <laughs> I'm going to start that again. <laughs> thank you for listening, everybody. We are Book Record Beer. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash book record beer podcast. We're on Twitter at Book Record Beer and on Instagram at book.record.beer. Make sure to also check us out on iTunes, where soon enough we'll be able to see the analytics to see who's listening. But star it, like it, share it, whatever you got to do, and that'll be it. Once again, thank you for listening. We are here at 2SP Brewing in Aston, Pennsylvania. Have a wonderful day, night, or whenever you're listening. Good night. I'm proud of you. That was tough. Yeah, that was we threw everything we had at you. Fucking shit. That was nice. That was good. I can't believe you did it. I never made my voice go that deep before. <laughs> Postscript. A huge, huge thank you again to Mike Contreras and everyone at his 2SP Brewery. And as always, a quick reminder for everyone keeping up with the reading and listening. Our next full episode will take a look at Stephen King's Carrie. And one of my favorite bands, Murder by Death, and their album, Like the Exorcist, but with more breakdancing. The boys and I are also joined by one of my best friends and the man who introduced me to that band, Tom Bannon. So stay tuned, and as always, be good, my babies! Be good, my babies!